Hey everyone, you're on air with Ella, and today is a solo show. We're talking about cooking your vegetables versus eating them raw. We're talking about having patience with yourself in your personal development, and how to stick to your goals when your family members aren't on board. Stick around. Welcome, you're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and truths from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or fitness and fat loss to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Hey guys, it's me, Ella. I love these solo shows. I'm so glad to be back with you and I hope you are doing great. So answering a few questions that have been rolling in and I know there are not enough hours in the day to answer every single one of your questions that I get when I get them. So thanks for your patience. I'm going to cover hopefully four, maybe three if time doesn't allow, but keep those questions coming to me. You can send them to me over social media or you can email me at contact at onairwithella.com. Okay, quick housekeeping. We are running a contest in the month of March 2016, so if that's when you're listening to this, just know that the last episode, 068, included a giveaway provided by Living Libations and Nadine Artemis. That is still up for grabs. You guys can listen to episode 068 or you can check out onairwithella.com episode 068 for all of the details. But you guys are amazing and this is going to be fun and I can't wait for there to be a lucky winner who will be announced on social media. Okay, in other news, the reviews have been pouring in, which means that the show has been climbing and climbing and climbing the charts and iTunes. You guys have gotten us on the front page. You guys are getting the word out there. And every time you guys leave a review, it bumps up the visibility in iTunes. So I'm getting a lot of new listenership on the show because you guys are the bomb. So thank you so much for that. I've stopped reading most of them on the air just because you guys are doing such an amazing job of providing them that I can't read them all. But I'm reading them all myself, FYI. And apparently someone at iTunes is paying attention. So you guys, I just thanks so much for taking the time to do that. It really, really means a lot to me. And it's fun to connect with you that way and to read your comments and to see your names in the different countries that you're from. And it's just a real joy for me. So thanks so much. Okay, let's start with a quick question. The first question came in from Eileen. And I think it's Eileen. It's Eileen with an A. Maybe it's Aileen. And she says, I would love to hear you do an episode on the nutritional value of vegetables and fruits. Specifically, are we killing and denaturing our vegetables when we cook them? How much? All right, so you know I'm not an expert, you guys, but of course I'm always willing to do some research for you. And I don't know if you want to hear a whole entire episode on that concept, so I just did a little bit of research beyond what I already had read about this, and I just want to share that with you because obviously there are people in the raw vegan camp who would argue that you should always eat your food raw all the time. And then there are a lot of people, for example, Jillian Tita, who we've had on the show, who would say, wow, if you have gut issues or digestive issues, eating vegetables only raw can actually be quite tough on your gut and she wouldn't recommend that at all. So yes, cooking your food will to some extent destroy the naturally occurring enzymes. So enzymes are proteins, they're catalysts to speed up and facilitate reactions in your body and some biochemical reactions won't even occur without these, okay? But cooking at higher than necessary temperatures, while that can actually damage a good deal of the nutritional profile of your food, 
gently cooking can often enhance the nutritional profile of your food. So I'll give you a couple of examples. But first I wanna say something in defense of raw fruits and vegetables. They are chock full of living enzymes and nutrients and so, 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 so good for you. The way that I tend to consume most of my raw vegetables, because I'm not like a huge raw vegetable eater, the way that I consume raw vegetables is by juicing. So juicing is going to be just an injection of the all of the benefits, obviously, of the living and raw foods that you might not enjoy chewing, but you can easily consume, I mean, half a dozen to a dozen servings of vegetables and a little bit of fruit in a juice. So that's what I do. I make my own or I buy cold-pressed juice, and that's how I roll with that. When you cook your food, though, Sometimes it actually increases the nutrient profile of certain types of food. So I'll give you an example. When you cook tomatoes, and this is one that a lot of you have probably heard before, it actually increases the lycopene content of tomatoes. That means that they are actually more nutritious. Cooking carrots makes the beta carotene that they contain more available for the body to absorb. Cooking can also reduce certain chemicals in a vegetable that inhibit the absorption of minerals, including important minerals like zinc or iron or calcium and magnesium. For example, cooking spinach makes more iron and calcium available from its leaves, for example. My suggestion, eat both raw and cooked foods. You get the best of both worlds. So overcooking and charring things could be a problem. Boiling the heck out of your greens will reduce the nutrient load. I used to steam broccoli until it was essentially baby food, and I don't do that anymore. Charring meats and vegetables creates carcinogens. So charring your meat and charring your vegetables is not something you want to do on a regular basis, according to the experts. And if you do, I'll be honest with you, like I love grilling, love, love, love grilling. And when I char things that, and I don't not eat them. I actually just don't do it super, super frequently. And if I do eat um, like copious amounts of charred food because I grilled everything, then I actually take two activated charcoal that evening. And according to the experts, the charcoal, the activated charcoal capsules help absorb some of the toxicity from those charred foods. Now, if I just sent you over the moon with that and you have no idea what I'm talking about, I will link in the show notes to activated charcoal, the one that I use. It's very inexpensive. It's actually what people give you when in the ER, if you've had an overdose of some kind of toxicity, sometimes they will use activated charcoal. It soaks up all of the toxins. They use it, uh, vets use it if dogs eat something that's toxic to them. Anyway, I take activated charcoal if I'm traveling and I've eaten something suspect. I take it if I am eating a really heavy meal and I don't know what kind of oils were used in it. Wow, I sound completely over the top, but the truth is if I've had more than a glass of alcohol, I'll take activated charcoal that night when I go to bed. So this is not a part of my regular routine, but it's just something that I incorporate into my larger plan. And again, it's inexpensive and it's so effective and I actually can't say enough about it. And I have no idea how I turned cooking versus raw vegetables into a speech about activated charcoal, but I wanted you to know about it. So I will link to that as well. So the bottom line is that cooking does not destroy your food. Cooking responsibly can actually enhance it. I wanna give you one more example. Kale, a lot of people argue, is best 
eaten lightly cooked. So a lot of people will steam their kale before they put it into a smoothie because when you lightly cook your kale, you reduce the oxalate load. And we've talked about oxalates before and it's not something that I generally worry about, but if you have any thyroid conditions or if you feel that oxalates based on some of the other episodes and some of our other learnings, if you believe that, that a high quantity of oxalates are present in your diet, then you might very well want to steam some of your cruciferous veggies before you consume them. And again, if you have thyroid issues, steaming your cruciferous vegetables or cooking them in some way is generally recommended. Okay, that was a long windy path, but I will share, I have so many good articles about this and lists of foods that are better raw versus cooked and vice versa. And just because I did the research and just because some of you might wanna geek out with me, I will put those in the show notes for this episode. Okay, let's do one more nutrition question before we get into some of the other stuff. So Heidi sent me a question about fiber. She said, fiber supplements. There are a lot on the market and most seem like they're full of chemicals. Do you know of any that are easily added to a smoothie or coffee and that are beneficial? So again, Heidi, I am not an expert, but what I like to do is I like to go do this research and share it with you. And I came up with so much information when I went and looked into this that I almost did an entire show on fiber. (laughs) Maybe I'll bring someone on to talk about it because first things first, we hear about how important it is to have fiber in our diets the fiber supplement industry is something like a $2 billion industry. Totally just made that up, but stick with me here. It's billions of dollars, that much I do know. And we are marketed fiber left, right, and center. And one of the reasons is because fiber that occurs naturally is critically important to a diet. That does not mean that fiber supplements are your friend. And this is interesting because I was on the fiber supplement train for a while and I did some research at the time and I was so surprised at how many people that I trust and follow in the wellness sphere, how many people cautioned against it. I was absolutely fascinated. So let me share a tiny bit of what I learned with you, and then I will again share the links to all the stuff that I read about if you care to deep dive into this with me. So the first thing is that in general, a lot of experts agree that you should shoot to get between 30 and 50 grams of fiber into your diet every day. The type of fiber you choose is important though. Most people think that bran is the best type of fiber to eat, for example, but bran is mostly insoluble and doesn't get digested. So there's soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. And the insoluble is like a scrub brush for your intestines right? It's good for maybe helping you get regular, but it can't help you the same way that soluble fiber does. According to Dr. Mark Hyman, he says, you'll find soluble fiber in fruits and vegetables and beans and nuts and seeds and most whole grains. And the bacteria in your gut metabolizes the soluble fiber in these foods. And that's when the real benefits start. He says, soluble fiber can help lower cholesterol, blood sugar, insulin. It can reduce the risk of cancer, balance hormone levels, remove excess estrogen, and reduce the risk of breast cancer, and it can provide food for the colon cells and more. So soluble fiber, great, 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 great. And here are some tips for increasing the fiber in your diet. One thing I want to point out to you, none of the things I'm about to share with you include a fiber supplement. And that is because the best source of fiber is going to be from whole foods. A couple of examples are flax seeds. So flax seeds are best consumed ground. They are almost useless, a lot of people would argue, in their seed form. And that in Unless you grind them, you can grind them in a coffee grinder, by the way, it just takes a second. But ground flax seeds can be digested and whole flax seeds, oftentimes they um, exit the body in whole form just like they went in. So they're not doing a whole lot except maybe sharing with you your transit time if you're paying attention. 
attention. But the short version is ground flaxseed is rich in fiber and can be added to things like salads and soups, vegetable dishes, etc. I often will thicken things up with a little ground flax. Legumes. So beans, if you're a bean eater, beans have a really high soluble fiber content. But vegetables, any vegetable is going to be an excellent source of fiber and if you are focusing on nutrient density, fiber should not be a problem in your life, okay? Obviously, fruits fall into the soluble fiber category. Nuts also, almonds, walnuts, pecans, hazelnuts, those are good sources of fiber too. One thing to be careful of, if you start focusing on a high fiber diet just out of the blue, that can cause some transition pains. Quite literally, it can cause gas and bloating. And the best thing to do if you're trying to focus on increasing your fiber intake is to do it in a graduated way, like phase it in until you get up to 50 grams a day. You might be surprised by some other sources of fiber. Real oatmeal is a good source of fiber. Blueberries, strawberries, spinach, baked potatoes, and quinoa are all nice sources of fiber. Interestingly, whole grains are arguably a lousy source of fiber. Lauren Cordain says that whole grains are poor sources of fiber, minerals, and B vitamins when compared to the grass-produced or free-ranging meats, seafood, fresh fruit, and veggies. For example, a thousand calorie serving of fresh fruits and vegetables, wow, that's a lot, has between two and seven times as much fiber as does a comparable serving of whole grains when you compare calorie by calorie. In fruits and veggies, most of the fiber is heart-healthy, soluble fiber that lowers cholesterol and some of the other benefits that I shared with you, but the same cannot be said for the insoluble fiber that is predominant in most whole grains. Okay, so again, an argument for fruits and veggies and whole foods versus processed breads, processed whole grains, and even your brand cereal. Couple other fun things that have a lot of fiber in them. Avocado has 6.7 grams of fiber per serving. Pears have 5.5 grams of fiber per serving. Those are pretty hearty sources of fiber. All right, so ideally your dietary fiber should be coming from whole food plant sources. And although most people in this space agree that people should get their fiber from whole foods, there are some people that may benefit from a soluble fiber supplement, okay? For example, people who aren't able to eat fruit or starch because they have blood sugar issues or they're on some sort of restricted diet for whatever reason. And those with severely compromised gut flora or some kind of gut dysbiosis where they're on a restricted diet, okay? In those cases, soluble fiber and or prebiotic supplements could be helpful. The most recommended fiber in that case is organic acacia fiber. Now I will link, I actually have acacia fiber. I told you I went through a fiber phase. I have acacia fiber in my pantry and every once in a while if I feel that it's useful, I will put a small serving of that into a smoothie or something like that. So I'll link to the acacia fiber. That is the answer to your question. And the acacia fiber is going to be arguably your best bet there. And I'll share the one that I use. One thing I do want to point out to you is some fibers that I would be very, very cautious about. And personally, I avoid them. Those include some of the supplements that you see on the shelves in a lot of health food stores, chicory root, psyllium husk, both of those are very, very hard on the gut. There are a lot of natural sources of fiber that can be very, very hard on the gut. So everything that I've read points you in the direction of more the more gentle acacia fiber. The second thing I wanna point out to Heidi's point originally is that the fiber supplements, just the totally generic ones that you can buy anywhere, that you can buy at Target or Boots or just off any corner market, those fiber supplements, you know the ones I'm talking about. I won't out any brands specifically, but 
they have fillers in them and they are just no bueno. So if you're going to add fiber to your diet, do it consciously and do it cautiously and do a little bit of your own research. All right, guys, lots and lots of information will be shared in the show notes for that in case this resonates with anybody. All right, I got a question from Erica that really moved me. She said, in the pool, in the classroom, in my job, the harder I work, the sooner I see results. It's a different story when it comes to being your best self. My question is, how do you develop the patience with yourself to keep working hard if you know you will never see the end result? Erica, wow, this question really, really touched me. And one of the reasons was I could hear your, I don't, I don't want to speak for you, Erica, but I could hear like your frustration a little bit or, or the weight of this on you. And I just want to tell you something. I, I'm not, I can't really answer your question because I don't agree with your question. And I say that with love. Let me tell you what I mean. You don't need patience for yourself. I mean, it's great, obviously, to give yourself a little bit of grace and you need to give yourself grace when you fail. And what is grace? It's unmerited favor. It's unearned. That's what grace is. But you aren't a school child who's striving to be a better human being and who needs to develop more patience for failing. Like I reject that hypothesis. It's not about working hard. It's not about seeing an end result. So I'm going to rip your question apart and just tell you that like being the best person you can be, we're not going to get there. I mean, who's going to get there? Being the best person that you can be is something that happens in moments, right? And it's not about working hard. It's about trying and being aware and paying attention to how you're really doing and not some script that you're playing in your head, right? It's about how you're making other people feel when they're in your space, how you're showing up to them, how they feel when they've experienced you. That's not working hard. That's not something you should beat yourself up for if you don't feel like you're doing a good job. It's something that you should just pay more attention to. And there's no end result. You said, how do you give yourself patience if you know you will never see the end result? Girl, we're not going to see an end result. There's no end result to any of the things that really matter. I mean, think about it. What's the end result of love? What's the end result of marriage or parenting or loving your parents, or the end result to friendship, or of being service to the world. There's no end goal. There's no trophy. There's no prize. And that's something that we forget because we're striving, 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 and the world is telling us, or, or the, th- the people that we interact with are making us feel this way, or we're telling ourselves some story where, you know, you got to get the brass ring. And, and I've shared stories with you guys before about how that really mucked me up for a long time because I thought there was some trophy out there for accomplishing and some trophy out there for being the best whatever I was trying to be in that moment. There's no trophy. There's no end prize. What matters is the moment. Whatever you're doing right now, that's what matters. How you're spending your moments with the people that you love, that's what matters. How do you make them feel? How do they make you feel? What are you creating in this world? Like, What value do you want to serve in this world? Focus on the creation of that, on the service service of that. So Erica, I want you to give yourself a break. I want you to stop focusing with your eye on the prize because there ain't no prize. Okay. So you are your best self whenever you're trying to be your best 
self. And that's all you got. And that's all you've got every day. And if you want to be better at that, ask the people who you love and ask the people who you respect. That takes humility and that takes vulnerability. But look someone in the eye who you love and who you trust and say, how can I better serve you? How, how can I show up better for you as your friend? How can I be a better daughter to you? How can I be a better wife to you? How can I be a better partner? Like help me be the best me. And that's how you know that you've got the right people is when you can actually have a conversation like that. And Erica, I can tell that just because you're even asking that you're an amazing human being and I want you to let go of the idea that there's an end result here and that there's a prize, okay? You are the prize. <laughs> You've already got the prize. And that is the fact that you wake up every day and you get to live this life. So what value do you want to create in this world? How do you want to create it? That's all you need. Okay, last question, guys. This is from someone, we'll call her Sarah, but she said not to use her real name. So her name is not Sarah. <laughs> and not Sarah says, I'd love to hear you discuss how to eat healthy when other people bring unhealthy foods into the house. I do the grocery shopping, but that doesn't stop my husband from bringing in tempting foods that I don't want to eat. Plus, there's all the candy the grandparents load my kids with every holiday except Columbus Day. I hide it in the kitchen cabinet, out of sight, out of mind, for them, not me. I put this question out there to you guys in the social media universe because I really wanted to hear how you handle this type of conflict. And I know a great many of us struggle with this in some way or another. You might have a mother who can't stand watching you eat healthy and telling you you're starving yourself or you're being silly, life is too short and stop restricting yourself in some way just because you're choosing to eat a whole food diet. Or you might have a partner or a spouse who is kind of almost sabotaging it can feel like your goals because maybe they're threatened by the idea of you being the most healthy vibrant you that you can be I have heard from a lot of you and I know that there are hundreds of different examples of this so here's what some of you guys said make delicious food like use these super simple recipes that I'm a huge fan of um, from the paleo world for example and I always refer back to paleo recipes because there are so many of them that are just so simple five ingredients or fewer make delicious desserts desserts with whole food ingredients and just present food to your family that's delicious and doesn't compromise anything on taste. And you don't have to make a big show about it being healthy and nutritious. It just is. For example, I switched from mashed potatoes. I didn't switch. I've never served mashed potatoes in my life, but I serve mashed cauliflower and it is so good. And people who come over don't know that it's not potatoes. And there's nothing wrong with a potato, but I prefer less starch. And so some of good friend of mine, she mixes it. So she makes whipped potatoes or mashed potatoes with some white potato and some cauliflower. And it is just buttery deliciousness. And she doesn't make a big show in her household about, oh, psych, you know, I, this is actually cauliflower. And so she just serves nutritious and delicious food. Another person suggested that you watch movies together, like whatever it takes to get everybody in the same place to make this happen. And that is a 
topic for another show, but get them together and watch a movie like Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead. That was Joe Cross, and it's funny. It's actually a funny, entertaining movie, and I made my husband and son watch it, and they liked it. So whatever I had to do to get them there is beside the point. Once they started watching it with me, they really got a kick out of it. Food, Inc. is a film that my son watched when he was like 11, and he was into it. There are many, many, many other examples. Just go look under food documentaries or anything of that sort. It's so eye-opening that they can often be fascinating and they can educate people without you trying to educate people. So that's another suggestion that I liked. All right. Somebody else suggested that you just make sure that you have your food because once your food supply starts to dwindle, you know what that's like. You go to the pantry or you go to the fridge and you open it up and there's none of, quote, your food, then all of their food starts looking even more tempting. So that's very simple, but super true. All right. So let's get into some of the less tactical stuff. First of all, I want to say something. It's your house. (laughs) So Sarah, not Sarah, I want to remind you that There is nothing in the world wrong with you setting some boundaries. It's your house. Secondly, they're your kids. And thirdly, I totally understand that these are grandparents. I totally get that. I understand it. We have grandparents. We're all about them. I totally get that. And at the same time, my son's grandparents know that in general, we try to just raise him on a fairly healthy, clean diet. Now, when he is with them, all bets are off. And I stopped trying to control that a long time ago because frankly, I have better things to do and he lives with me. So if they want to go splurge and be crazy and eat whatever they want while they're together, I am not worried about the lasting implications of that, especially since my son is now educated enough to just make his own choices. But my house, that's a different story. So for example, let's say we're having a birthday celebration and somebody brings a chemical poop storm of a cake over from somewhere and the ingredients label on that cake is about 17 inches long and it's filled with chemicals. Am I going to stop the birthday party and say, alert, this cake is a chemical poop storm and I'm not serving it in my house? (laughs) I mean, I may have done that once or twice, but I don't do that anymore. What I do is serve it up, whatever, serve up the cake. That's fine. I tend to pass myself and then I throw the cake away it's my house. So when the party's over and there's a bunch of this stuff left over, I don't give it away because there's nobody I want to eat that stuff. And I chuck it in the garbage and I don't care if it's wasteful because it's not real food. So I don't feel guilty about it for two seconds. All right. A holiday like Halloween. If my child comes home and brings just a ton of candy home, I don't tell him he can't have any of it. The first thing I do is I have him do a candy trade with other people because he gets rid of a bunch of stuff that he doesn't like and he's left with the chocolate. Yeah, there's a strategy there. Anyway, so Then we take his candy and I put half of it in the freezer. I bag up a third of it. Uh, Some kids will notice if you bag up a third of it or some fraction of it. Some of them will notice. I understand that. A lot of them won't. I just bag some of it up and I get rid of it. I usually give that away or I save it for parties or whatever and dole it out in smaller doses later. But then he's still left with a pretty big bundle in the pantry. And just because I haven't created restrictions for him, and this is not a show about parenting, but just because I haven't created a bunch of restrictions for him. He just has one a day when he feels like it. It's not a thing. I have not created some reward system in my house where eating a piece of candy feels like a reward, nor have I created restrictions where it feels like something decadent or scandalous um, or something that my son would ever have to be sneaky about. Again, that's not this show, but 
you are in charge of doling out the candy. The kids are not in charge and the grandparents are not in charge. So when it comes to you and your partner in parenting, um, that's a different story. And the two of you obviously would want to try and get on the same page. So one more helpful hint in this regard would be my next tip for you. And that is to share your why. You've heard me talk about your why before. In this case, I think it is so easy for people to set up camps in the food world. And so very very easy. I can picture you on your healthy kick, you know, I'm putting that in quotes is like your husband might do. And your husband is staunchly against that quote, nasty food you're eating. I'm just making this up, Sarah, not Sarah, just stick with me here. And the kids obviously, you know, Ooh, gross. You're eating something green, something of that nature. And I can totally see how these camps get set up. I 100% understand that. If you share your why it tends to help break down those camps a little bit, that staunch opposition. So if you broke the script, like if you stepped off the script and left your roles from those staunch camps that you've created and you just shared with them, you know, look, let me share a couple things with you. I love you and I want to be around and be healthy and energetic and be here with you for as long as humanly possible. And to your husband, you might say it differently and you might invoke sex. Let me tell you what I mean. You might say, you know, I don't feel sexy when I feel like the Pillsbury Doughboy. It just isn't my jam. And I feel a lot sexier when I'm comfortable in my own skin and I'm comfortable in my own skin when I take care of my body. So instead of looking at my food as the other and the enemy, or instead of looking at your food as something I should be indulging in and I don't know what's good for me, just think of it as me wanting to be the sexiest version of me. And let me tell you something, he's gonna think of those cookies really differently when you start tying them to sex. It's true though, right? I mean, part of the reason, a huge part of the reason that we wanna take care of ourselves is so that we feel great in our own skin, so that we're there for our kids or there for our family, so that we're healthy and we show up in life not grumpy and pissed off, but you know, vibrant. And part of that is feeling sexy and, and showing up that way. So share your why. You can skip the sexy why with the kids. That would be my recommendation. But the movies that I mentioned earlier, that's a great way to share a why also. Is you're just like, look, this is some of the rationale behind some of the choices that I'm making. That I think is a lot there to think about. The only other thing that I jotted down in my notes was that I just wanted to encourage you to try to not let it become a thing thing. And in this case, Sarah, not Sarah, it might already be a thing. But for those of you who might find yourself in this situation, remember when it becomes a thing that then it becomes about control and it becomes about people feeling fear about your choices and they feel threatened and that's a different animal. And so try to understand this for what it is and then maybe try some of these tips to employ. At the end of the day, you can only control yourself. Focus on yourself, your eating, manage your household. Of course, you are a key influencer in your own household. Don't give up your power as a mom in that situation situation and lead by example on how to take care of yourself. And who knows, maybe they'll jump on board with you. Okay, my loves, I owed you a shorter episode, so I'm going to wrap it up here. Keep those questions coming to me. You know that I love them, and I will provide a lot more information in the show notes for this episode, so just check it out, episode 069 at onairwithella.com, and I'll see you later. 
Okay, everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, just go to onairwithella.com where I put up links to all of the good stuff that we talked about today and more information about our guests and all the good stuff that you did not need to write down today because I got you covered. Don't forget to join our Facebook page and thanks for those phenomenal reviews in iTunes. Every great review helps and we read every one. Thanks for listening and thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.